0: This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hello, pals. I realize that I'm an idiot who did not save the old recording, and now I may have to record my intro every single time. Uh, so fun fun story last night my boyfriend chris and i went to the blank canvas theater here in cleveland which um is this really cool super small venue where like maybe 30 people can go and you know see a play and it's usually like you know Rocky Horror Picture Show um we went to see the Toxic Avenger last night but they do like very small performances usually involving some kind of splash zone so I'm sure they've done um Evil the Musical there before which Chris and I want to go see but so last night we went to go see the Toxic Avenger super last minute and um you know it was gonna be a good time but my game plan was to record today's um like I was gonna do a vlog, which I mean I did do a vlog afterwards, um, but funny story. The first time Chris and I ever went to the Blank Canvas Theater, um, so it's this really weird. It's in like the middle of um, like an art gallery, like an art studio. So you kind of have to get there, and it's it's not like a bar or anything. So the first time we ever went there, we went super last minute to a Rocky Horror Picture Show um, performance, and Chris. It was the day before, it was like, oh yeah, 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 you know, people normally dress up, so they make it like a really big thing, like we should dress up and do whatever. So, Chris was Brad, um, underwear Brad, and tidy whities and a t-shirt, and I, naturally, was Dr. Frankenfurter, <laughs> because in some shocking turn of events, I had more items in my closet that were a Dr. Frankenfurter costume than I did that would be like white bronze slip Janet. And what that says about my personality, I'm not entirely sure. But so... <laughs> when you go, you you don't just buy a glass of wine. They usually give you, like, a bottle. And it's usually, like, shit, Oak Creek wine. That's, like, $3 or whatever. Or you can, like, buy a bucket of, like, Budweiser's or whatever. So yesterday, um, I thought Chris was just going to go up and get us a bottle. Like, one bottle. A meaning singular bottle of wine. But he came back with two. So... You know, I drank wine, a whole bunch of it, and was super, super determined to still put on, like, an episode, and you know that feeling when you do something when you're drunk, and you're like, yes, yes, that turned out so great, that's totally gonna be the best, it's gonna be so good, and then, uh, you find out the next day that it really wasn't that great? Yeah, I have, I, yeah, I rewatched the footage today. Because as you know, I listen to um, whatever I'm about to post and that's how I usually pick the name is by something stupid or weird that I say during the podcast or the episode. That's usually what becomes my title. And it also makes sure I don't do anything stupid or make an ass out of myself in the recording. So I went to rewatch watch that um, episode I recorded last night and I got like 45 seconds in. I was like, I cannot post this. <laughs> it was... I was way more drunk than I had anticipated, but good news, if you are a patron, I might splice it up, or honestly, might just post it as is, as a patron-only video. I promised if there are blooper videos, you could have them. Patrons, you can just have this, whatever it is, and do with it what you want. Um, yeah, it's... (laughs) it's not good (laughs) it's kind of sad but it is what it is so um hopefully by the time you hear this it will be live on the patreon page and you can see it if you sign up to become a patreon patron I don't know the words for this I'm still new to everything basically so um yeah if you want that cool and if not then cool so, obviously, I need to keep the Cabernet and true crime, uh, a little separate, or at least Cabernet in moderation. <laughs> so, today's podcast, um, because it has turned into a podcast now solely because, A, I'm still hungover from yesterday, <laughs> and I do not look good enough to go on an episode for a vlog, so that's fine, um, and these are just so much easier. And with the clusterfuck that was last night, <laughs> we're just going to we're gonna pause for a second and, you know, reel it in. And this will be a podcast, and maybe the next episode will be a vlog. I guess let me know how frequently you like either or. I know some people prefer podcasts and some people don't. So you tell me what you want. I'm fine with either. It really does not bother me one way or the other. So um, today we're going to be talking about Miriam Sula Kiotis. And I hadn't really heard of her before I started researching her, obviously. And I really should have learned my lesson from Metad Throwback, because I didn't learn my lesson. And I think I probably still didn't learn my lesson after this. Uh, so Miriam Sula Chiodas was born in 1883 in Karatea Grace. Gr- Grace. Ugh, this is already off to a rough start. It's better than yesterday, I promise. Better than yesterday, but still not great. Karatea Grease? Um, I could not find anything on her early life, um, but I saw somewhere that she grew up in a poor family and worked on a farm or in a factory until the age of 23. I'm not sure which one's real. I know nothing about her parents, nothing about her upbringing, or any of her other personal information. Um, and the difficulty arises in that a this crime took place between 1883 and 1950 and also it took place in greece and as i'm sure you could probably go out on a limb and assume i do not speak or read or understand greek for any of for any of that like i was in a sorority in college and that's about the extent of i know some of the greek alphabet and that is about it um so i had to do the whole finding articles and trying to find court documents and switching them into English and then trying to figure out what, because Google Translate does not, it's not literal and obviously, like, I know how languages work, you know, and it's just not right. So you kind of, not only do you have to do the work of translating it over into English, but then you have to try to make sense of what any of it means because, yeah, they're in English words, but the sentences don't make any sense and not in the same order that we in the English language sort our words out because English doesn't always make any sense. So there really isn't a whole, whole lot about her early life or her upbringing or any of that Um, but there is one, like, massive, I mean, you can't even call it a rabbit hole, it's kind of a sinkhole, and you have to tiptoe around it gently, because this is a rabbit hole you could fall down and never come out of, it's a religious rabbit hole, um, so it was, it became the art of how much do I need to understand and explain to make this case make any sense, without going too deep and losing myself and everybody down this sinkhole. So, um, Miriam Sula Kiotas, for my, just a reminder, she was born in Greece. She was born in 1883. Cool. So, she was an avid old calendarist. And if you're like me, you have no idea what the hell that means. So, um, an old calendarist is any Eastern Orthodox Christian who uses the historic Julian calendar, which is named after the pagan Roman general who proposed it, Julius Caesar. So that calendar, the Julian calendar, opposes the calendar that most of us use, which is the Gregorian calendar. So unless you're a practicing old calendarist, you are on the Gregorian calendar. Um, the old calendars church body is not in communion with Eastern Eastern Orthodox churches that use the new calendars. So there's d- definitely a rift between the people who are old calendarists and basically everybody else. Um, so Greek old calendarists are groups of these old Calendarist Orthodox Christians that remain to the traditional Orthodox practice. And they, they don't keep any communication. Um, they're not in communion with any other groups, um, especially any other Greek groups. So, the rest of the Eastern or oh, that's a tongue twister Eastern Orthodox Church, um, they used the Julian calendar up until about nineteen twenty three. I think I saw, and um, under Pope Gregory the Eighth, they did a calendar reform and switched to the Gregorian calendar. So the only difference is one is 13 days ahead of the other, and that will stay that way until it'll even out in 2100. Um, so the problem is that when the majority of the rest of the world switched to the Gregorian calendar, these old calendarists didn't want to change. They thought, you know, they wanted to keep their loyal to the original calendar and not switch to the new one. And it, you know, they saw it as the abandonment of the traditional church calendar to the preference of one that was, you know, new, and some people just refuse to do change. Um, I will specify that there is a difference between being an old calendarist versus on the old calendar. Um, groups that are, quote, on the old calendar are still part of the communion, while old calendarists are not. And I think this is important to note because, as you'll see very shortly, that this, this crime takes place, well, these crimes take place in a, like, a church setting in Greece, in this old calendars church situation. And it seems like Miriam was able to kind of get away with everything she did because her church was not in communion with any other churches. Um, from what I understand, she was a follower of the Matthewite sect, and it almost seems like she helped fo- found this branch of, like, this, like, schism of old calendarists, I think. I'm not—it gets really kind of confusing, because it talks about her forming this church with a vicar-bishop, Matthew—he was from Bethesna, greece and I had to look up what a vicar and a bishop was, and I'm just assuming this guy was very important. And he had joined the early Greek old calendarists. It it basically just sounds like this church didn't belong with any other churches. Like, it was very set apart in its beliefs, and it was a very niche following, so there was really no other churches kind of checking up on what this church was doing, if that makes sense. I basically did all this research, and, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense, but it almost seems like a super convoluted way to just say that they were different. And that doesn't help them. Um, So, their timelines were all off. There were a couple different articles that had one time, like, dates for things, and then there was another for other dates, but based off of when this Matthew, Vicar Bishop Matthew, died, um, I don't know if the one just got it wrong, and it's, so it almost seems like everything is shifted 10 years off. So, Matthew was made vicar bishop by the three original leaders of the old calendar calendarists, and the original date that it read was nineteen thirty-five, but it said that he died in nineteen thirty-nine and so I just it doesn't make any sense. So I think that happened closer to nineteen fifteen. And then he and Miriam Sula Chiotis opened a monastery together in nineteen twenty-seven. So he died in nineteen thirty-nine and after they started the church together. He was, he kind of started it because he didn't like the old calendarists anymore, and so he decided to establish a new sect that would later become the new calendarists, which I think is like taking old calendarist belief and kind of nudging them towards their Gregorian way, is my understanding. I'm sorry that I don't really know a whole lot about this. And if you do, please clarify me because I I tried really hard to understand this. But there's a lot of of things in here that I just don't understand. So I tried. (laughs) But ignorance is not an excuse for um, incorrect. So if you would like to enlighten me, please, I would love any kind of information. I'm just kind of speculating. Um, So they built their convent in 1927. They built it about 30 miles southeast of Athens um, near Caratea where Miriam was, I'm assuming, born. Um, she kind of started taking control of it during World War II um, when Father Matthew was in his 80s and then every article I read said he died in 1939, which is right around the time World War II started, so this kind of makes sense as well. Like, he was basically on his deathbed and handed it over to Miriam and she succeeded him as abbot which because she is a lady um is called an abbess so she was in charge of the church and he essentially appointed her head of the monastery i hope you're able to follow any of that um that's basically just saying she became a part and then a a leader of this really just kind of off the wall church that i had read other places was like being an old calendarist in in greece was illegal I don't know if that's true or not. If you're from Greece and you know that answer, please tell me because I, is it illegal to be an old calendarist? I don't know. Or it's like highly frowned upon. People don't agree with it. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe that's what they meant by, maybe the phrasing was off. They said, which was a crime a lot, which I'm assuming that maybe they just don't agree with it. And that's just weird phrasing between Greek and English translation. Now that we're getting into the crimey kind of part of this, I'll have to, you know, specify and, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm, Don't remember. Um, Preface? Preface. I'm going to have to preface this part with that everything I found was in a Greek, well, in several Greek things. It's more or less people's accounts of what their family members or people they knew had gone through. So there's like no real timeline to any of this and it's all kind of jumbled up. I tried to sort it to where it ended up going um, and tried to group it together, but it it's not super easy to do that. So just know that this is kind of like a list, a more or less a list of all the crimes that she did and not so much like a constructive timeline. I don't know the actual order or progression of any of these crimes and whether they occurred or I mean honestly even if these are factual things these are just what the the crimes I mean even kind of rumored to have been going on there once again it was so long ago it's just very hard to find concrete things i really like to go and look at court documents because then you can get you know the real evidence and what really happened to people but that doesn't appear to be a possibility for this at all i don't think any of the court cases from this time would even be uploaded onto like a digital uh, unless i like flew to greece and it flew to this little tiny town and tried to find their like court documents i don't think i'd be able to even figure out what happened so um After she took control of the monastery in 1939-ish, I'm guessing, she started an aggressive recruitment policy, sending monks and nuns to recruit wealthy converts, which were preferably women, and as they arrived, they were required to confess, fast, go without sleep, pray, maintain silence, and turn over their estates. Any new converts who did not follow the rules were beaten, while some members were regularly punished. Once recruited, the new members would begin a life of imprisonment and penances, and they had to endure lengthy fasting and penances to drive away the devil and earn themselves paradise. She got her nuns to do her bidding by torturing them. She would have them stripped down to their underwear and then beat them with a plank. So, <clears throat> it seems like later, some of the nuns were like really kind of into it and didn't need to be prompted, but it's almost like she kind of Stockholm Syndrome some of her nuns in doing it, like the whole... If you don't beat them, I'll beat you type of deal. So they did it out of fear is kind of the vibe I get, but I could be wrong. Um so Miriam was not, or Miriam not only took everything she could from her disciples, she dominated every aspect of their lives. She'd cut off contact with relatives, caged some of them like animals, would even resort to starving, flogging, and torture to purge the new recruits of their demons. Doctors weren't allowed on the grounds, and several of the recruits who came to the commune were never seen again. And so later on, the number of people who died is um, attributed to 177, and um, it's because it seemed like there was, I think the number was 150 children who contracted tuberculosis, and because she wouldn't let, um, a doctor in and refused to, like, take care of them and feed them, those kids died because of that. So, um um mother from thebes joined with her four daughters and all five were dead within six months of their arrival people would pass by at night and report screams and moaning from the compound on one occasion two drunken villagers scaled a fence to peek around and found an elderly woman chained to a wall she refused their help and the villagers kept their observations to themselves so at the same time i mean there are tales of people who tried to escape but there were also some like it almost seems like fanatics who were like yeah I should be punished because I, you know, I'm a sinner. chained me to this wall because I, you know, it almost seemed like she had them believing that if she could chain them to a wall, maybe, you know, they actually would earn their paradise, which is what it is. Um, because of this treatment, many of her followers died of malnutrition as she forced so many of her followers into manual labor while starving them. Um, so a man named Seraphim Silvestro told police that his sister and brother-in-law, who were both infected with tuberculosis, died there. The couple had three children who were subjected to various abuses. Um, one of their sons was hung upside down naked and beaten to unconsciousness numerous times. And before the little boy's father passed away, they had urged the man to infect his child with tuberculosis, telling him to chew on his food and then feed it to his son so that he, quote, dies before you. They told the father his son would become a bad man if he lived. Miriam Sulaquitas and her nuns tortured hundreds of people to death under the pretense of being sent to paradise. Uh, Miriam had ordered her nuns to leave the an elderly woman named, yep, <laughs> an elderly woman named Eugenia Marghetti alone in her underwear to which she was then beaten with a board. Nuns would lead other victims out to nearby forests and tie them um, half naked to the trees. Um, From preliminary questioning, it was revealed the most common way of torturing Miriam's victims was the upside-down hanging of the trees, um, which the purpose was to get the demons out of the body and purify the believers. A a young woman's niece was tortured by the monks in the monastery. Uh, The 10-year-old girl had been assigned chores in the galley, and she was so hungry she licked a potato for sustenance, and she was caught. And for her action, action, she was tied up naked in the barn all night, and in the morning she was passed out from cold and fear. A woman tried to escape the convent but was caught. She was closed in a dump with little food for six months, resulting in her death. Um, there is a story about the death of the Bishop Matthew, um, who I'm assuming was the guy who founded the church. When he died, Miriam was able to attract hundreds of followers um naive people who rushed from so many parts of greece to see the miracle of quote saint matthew um but miriam had only sprinkled his body with perfume to trick everyone and make a legend around her monastery and around matthew's name so i'm assuming she did that as a trick to get more followers saying that like she had people like a saint's body in her church but i'm not entirely sure about that either Um, a nun had unknowingly signed over her estates to Miriam and she was under the, and so she signed over her estates and all the other nuns were like, let's go pick and like get some olives. And she's like, okay, cool. Well, she went out there to get olives with these other nuns and they beat the shit out of her and then left her in the hospital. It was reported at the time of her arrest that she amassed, uh, 300 properties across Greece this way, along with gold and jewels worth thousands of dollars. Um, sworn medical testimony at the site showed, um, that as a result of severe penances, at least 177 known inmates died at the Convent of Horrors, um, and ironically, one of the girls, um, who died was believed to be American, a 22-year-old Eilena Spirits of Toledo, Ohio, um, who disappeared there on a trip to Athens, So, in 1949, local villagers began to gossip about the screams coming from the convent, and in early 1950, the daughter of one of the converts contacted Athens police and said that Sula Kiotis had forced her mother to sign over her estate. After investigating, the prosecutor discovered that about 500 recruits had left their estates to the convent and then died. In December of 1950, police officers and officers from the Gender Mary it's french and i obviously can't pronounce it um it's basically military component with um the jurisdiction in law enforcement um as well as the deputy prosecutor and coronator like kicked in the door to the monastery and were like we're gonna get you out of here they saw dozens of stunted and frightened elderly and children who were in a state of exhaustion the children were picked up and taken away on buses and shipped to the kindergarten Um, nuns were upset and resisted and interrogations took place for months and the testimonies of the victims was wild. It was basically everything I just told you. In September of 1951, she was tried on charges of unlawfully confining a girl in the convent for 12 years. The child had been placed there in 1938, and she had been told that she was an orphan, and her father had been told that she had died. She was sent, um, so for that crime, Miriam was sentenced to 26 months in prison for the illegal imprisonment of the girl found in the monastery. A nun was also convicted as an accomplice and was sentenced to four months in prison, which four months in prison for kidnapping a girl for 12 years casual Um, unfortunately there was no evidence that could demonstrate that um, Miriam actually killed anybody Um, but they did confirm the death of 177 people that's basically the agreed upon number for this Uh, Miriam was indicted in February of 1951 on the charges including homicide fraud forgery of wills blackmail and torture And in 1952, Miriam, eight nuns, and a phony bishop were accused of not having provided food and medicines to a monk and three nuns, making them die and stealing their belongings. On February 6, 1953, Sula Kiotis was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Um, A nun received a 10-year sentence. Another nun was given a three-year sentence. And then the fake bishop received a year in prison. Uh, Sula Kiotis was again brought on trial on the charges of embezzlement, fraud, and illegal detention in the abuse of a convent member. And on November 18th, 1953, she was given another four-year term to be served concurrently without, with the prior sentence. So she denied all the charges um, and claimed that um, all the accusations against her were Satan's constructs. She said that the monastery was coming to save her soul. And when her verdict came out, she said, I was unjustly condemned. I have my conscience in peace with God that I have done my duty against these impossible creatures which have accused me of the trial. So she died in Averoff prison at age 71 in 1954. So basically four years after she was caught, she was dead. And weirdly enough, this church is still going on. Um, Nobody really knows who runs it, which I'm not sure how that happens, but there are still people, like as of 2008, um, the monastery is still open and has members which believe she was innocent and um, they they claim she's a saint. Um, So they just basically said she was framed and she paid for something she didn't do. So I do have a couple of side thoughts just to kind of wrap this up. Um, there were several connections made to Hitler's concentration concentration camps and the Holy Inquisition, which I can see. That's a very, like, just connection. It's very much like a concentration camp. Um, she is often noted as one of the most prolific female serial killers, but she's not a serial killer. At least... I don't think so. It seems almost more like she phoned it in and, like, did a Charles Manson type deal of, like, getting her followers to kill everybody. I don't know if she ever actually killed- I mean, maybe by, like, neglecting people, but, I mean, I don't think- she didn't, like, actively, like, murder people. It's almost like she just locked all these people- I mean, I guess it still is murder- but I guess it's not serial killer in the type of way that we think of serial killers. Like, hunting down their victims and intentionally murdering them. This is like, I'm just gonna... It was like she was playing a sick game of Sims back in the, the 40s. Where she was like, I'm just gonna get real people and lock them in my house and then just not feed them. It's like her version of deleting the ladder in the pool in The Sims. Which isn't right. Um And then... There are so many articles and so many people who call her the Lady Rasputin. I mean, okay, like, my three favorite things to research, like, historically are King Henry VIII, anything involving Napoleon, and, like, the last Tsar of Russia and the whole, like, Anastasia story I find really fascinating. So, obviously, I'm no stranger to Rasputin and, like, what his kind of deal was, I don't see the connection of why she is called the Lady Rasputin at all. Maybe it's lost in time and in, you know, language. I'm not sure. Or, you know, maybe I just don't understand her better. But I don't think that's, like, a good... I don't understand the Lady Rasputin connection. If you understand the Lady Rasputin connection message me. Except don't try googling why is Miriam Sula Kiotis called the Lady Rasputin, because you won't get any answers. I already tried that. (laughs) All right, pals. Well, that was the redo of True Crime Tuesday. Um, Like I said, I will be hopefully posting the blooper reel from this bad boy now, like once I click end on this, and I will post it, I hope we'll see what happens um so that'll be up for your viewing pleasure all you have to do is become a patron of cabernet and true crime and then you can see me do whatever that was um yeah so happy true crime tuesday i'll i'll catch you next week